the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Getting on my leader around to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is the show that talks balls and takes names, just as long as one of those names isn't Gerald Situle. On the show this week, we give the brand new home kit a fashion critique and yes, it is still white. We remember the Bolton plays you'd completely forgotten about. And we analyse every single goal of the 9-0 route at Longridge just to extend the running time of the show. But first, it's my weekly ad for the premium subscription to the Bolton News. If you wanted a 30-day trial free of charge, well, you've missed out. I'm sorry, you've missed the boat, but don't worry. You can go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe, check out our latest special offer. We'll have one as soon as July starts, which I think is today. Um, so we're nearly at an end of our Colin Todd interviews. That's been really fun. Oh, we had Bruce Rioch, of course, earlier in the summer. But now we're getting a new post-match podcast, which will be exclusively for subscribers. Another big interview on its way as well. By the way, I lined that one up just this afternoon. So we've got loads and loads of stuff to come. 75 Years of Wandering has been really, really popular. I've got my Inside Wanderers column. We've got match reports coming up. There's going to be all sorts going on there just for premium subscribers. So don't miss out. TheBoltonNews.co.uk backslash subscribe check it out and now to welcome a man who spent the last couple of hours coloring in the sponsor's logo on his new wanderers home shirt in sharpie i might add it's henry hewitt how are you doing henry i'm good thank you um <clears throat> sorry i don't sound good but i am good yeah i uh, i've been coloring in but i've drawn ian everton and sharon Britton in the car smiling so so good a new gruff intro from Harry. Harry Hewitt there. He's, he's targeting a, a new female audience, clearly, with the uh, the gravel voice. Um, right, OK, do we need to hand over the title now? Is it is it worth the other clubs in League One just saving themselves the embarrassment? Uh, because, you know, Wanderers scored nine. Yeah, it's as, it, as we mean to go on, we're going to score nine every game. We're going to score 360 goals this season. Uh, well, more than that. So, yeah, it's... Uh, just stand us the title now, it's fine. I'll take 360, to be honest. I don't know what that averages out at, but uh, no, mm. it, uh, the f- football's back in, in a sense. Uh, it was it was Longridge Town. They are in the Northwest Counties League, let's be absolutely fair. Um, and don't don't clip this audio and send it back to me in May, by the way, and say that we were going to absolutely romp the league, because uh, we, we take it as it was meant. But really, you can't do anything. They say you can only beat what is put in front of you, and they definitely... Beat them. Look at the look at the two teams they had in each half. There, it it speaks volumes, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And I think it, you know, I I know you shouldn't look back, but I think it is important to look back at last season and when we played them. And you know, considering that the goals are scored by Thomas and Darcy and Bakayoko last year, it's like you know, I know uh, you know they're good players, but I think it, it speaks volumes that uh, there's only Bakayoko really getting in the first eleven on a regular basis. Now we've got a a, gr- a really good squad and that's what it is a squad you look at both teams and um they've got good players in them there's only the odd you know the odd player who is maybe a, a sub or a youth player and that's what we've wanted i think that's what we've needed for years we've just needed a, a good squad and we've not had it so now yeah to be able to switch it up and let's face it you you probably look and say closer to the first 11 was the second half and yeah. Longridge would have been tiring, so we were always going to kick on in the second half. But if you look at the first half and think we scored three, um, yeah, it was it was good. But it is important just to, you know, you know, just check ourselves and think. Well, it is game one of pre-season against a non-league club. There will be tougher tests to come. But no, it, it adds to the excitement and uh, the the energy of it's at the club at the moment. Always important to check yourselves, boys and girls. That's a health announcement from Mr. Henry <laughs> Hewitt. Um, no, I mean, look, it could have been Monaco. It could have been Monaco. We, we were told uh, before the game, I was having a chat with Ian Everton, and they said that Monaco had said, uh, do you fancy sticking around for a couple of extra days in, in Portugal? Have a, a, a kick around with us? And uh, But no, they, they'd said they were going to send their first team to Longridge, and they certainly did. I, I think they probably could have... They didn't learn a great deal about themselves. I think that's fair to say. 
Um, but I don't think I've ever seen. A, I don't think I've ever seen a nine nil. In fact, I'm not sure I've ever seen a bigger win from a pre- well, I say a press box from a row of seats that other journalists were sat in. Um, hmm. I, I don't think I've ever seen a bigger win. Have you ever seen anything bigger than nine nil? I've not. I have seen a nine nil. As I, I've mentioned on the podcast before, I did the um, the stadium music at Old Trafford when it was oh, locked yeah. down, yeah. which was the most pointless thing in the world because it was just me and journalists in there. But uh, yeah, obviously United beat Southampton 9-0. So I have I have seen a 9-0, but um, definitely not for Bolton. I think the biggest win I've seen for Bolton, we beat Swindon 7-0 in mm. Division 1 at mm. Burnham Park. That's the biggest I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I certainly wasn't around for the 13-0 against Barini in, in Italy. I think that was, <laughs> that was uh, 2002, I think. Uh, Delroy Facey scored four goals in that one. Well, that says everything, doesn't it? Remember him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but nevertheless, let's look at some positives then from that game. Um, Iredale's first start showed up really well, I thought. Played the ball. He was very sharp. I mean, the, the, the teams were sharp, but I thought Iredale was excellent that first half. I thought Dempsey was on fire as well. I thought he had a really cracking first half. And also, Connor Bradley, two assists inside your first 15 minutes regardless of the opposition it is he puts a marker down and that's that's the kind of uh, attacking wing back he's going to be that's good yeah exactly and i know the the players have said in their interviews in pre-season that they 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 kind of with the way they they're being coached is mm. to try and break teams down i think sometimes last season we struggled with the the way we play the passing play when teams just sit back and say, right, come on, break us down, we've struggled. And I think, okay, Longridge, as I've said, with respect to them, we're going to get bigger tests. It shows that we are thinking of different ways to break teams down, to get in behind. And if, uh, yeah, if if we can get Dion on the end of some of them crosses uh, this season, he should should score. I mean, we could be, we could finally break the 20-goal mark. You never know. Hat-trick for Dion. As well, I've, I've got to mention Dan. It was it was so simple for him, and and, and I, I think um, Chris Markham said to us, and he's like, the last thing if you're a tiring defender in that second half, and and Longridge didn't make a massive number of changes, um, but if you're a tiring defender in that second half, the last thing you want to see is Dion Charles ratting around, and you know tracking you down every time you have a slightly poor touch because he was in the mood as well. Uh, so I agree with you. Yes, yeah, there's there's lots of um, lots of good stuff there. The one thing I did find out that the Portugal trip, you could tell that they were in good shape. There's no question about that. The Portugal trip, apparently, the number of coached hours that the players have had is nearly four times that they had 12 months ago. So there was still, I think, there may well have been some restrictions in place still 12 months ago, but the, yeah. it was something along the lines of there was 17 hours last last year. It's 60 odd now. So it was, yeah, very, very, um, very, very encouraging. It shows you that the Portugal trip, though expensive, I will note it is not cheap to go and stay there because I had absolute no chance at all whatsoever of staying in that uh, hotel on uh, my meagre travel lodge budget, but. It was worth it because they've uh, they've had three or four sessions a day. You know they've worked on patterns of play, which you don't. Once you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, you don't get as much time to be able to nail down those those details. And that's why managers really love the international breaks and the the little pockets of time you can work with your players. And I think you can see the difference. And I'm hoping that we we continue to see the difference in pre-season and that they can maintain that sort of level. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I think the the test will come at the end when we're playing Huddersfield and then Watford, of course, in the behind closed doors match. But, um, yeah, it's it's all building up to the first. But again, we've been here before. I, I remember we've had pre-seasons before where we've won every game and then started very slow in the league. So, uh, yeah, but again, but you've got to think Ian Everett as a manager is different to the managers we've had before. I don't think he'd put up with that. And, yeah, it's, it's just exciting, Mark. It's exciting that football's back. It's exciting that Bolton are back. Um, you know, we've as we're going to talk about later on, we've got an, our kit's been revealed and all of that. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, we're on countdown. It's As we record this, it's a month today to the first game. So, um, yeah, very exciting. 
month today until I'm in Mexico. <laughs> I don't care about Ipswich, but never mind. Um, yeah, uh, actually, I, I'm going to bring it down a somber, somber note, actually, because uh, the uh, Tuesday night's game was uh, hugely positive for Bolton Wanderers, but there was one fallen comrade who I, I feel I must mention. Um, uh, in fact, I, I want a moment of silence on the podcast to commemorate my laptop, which died... 20 minutes before the end of the game. So on the whistle, Henry, if you don't mind, just observing a, a little a moment of silence. Okay. Oh, no! Would you believe it? Always the, always the way, isn't it? Like they've ruined it now. Completely How ruined the moment. There's always a phone that goes off. Always. <laughs> Um, do you know when uh, I uh, I just thought then of it's obviously different in podcasting world, but um, to let you into a uh, just to let you in behind the curtain of the radio world that I used to work in, um, whenever they've got football commentary on and there's a minute silence, they have to turn up uh, turn up the volume really loud um, to so that they can have a little bit of crowd noise yeah. or atmosphere in the background because if they didn't. The backup tape will kick in after 30 seconds, uh, so it would start playing Adele or something. Or Fergal Sharkey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've been there before. So, yeah, (laughs) if you ever hear a minute silence on the radio, you'll notice that it gets turned up really loud just so a backup tape won't come in. Well, a minute silence is, is a nightmare in a press box because, as you say, there's a lot of... There's a lot of twiddly bits, there's a lot of buttons, and when you're when you are on the radio... Obviously, other games elsewhere are not having a minute silence. And if you've got a commentary going on at that point in time, all you can hear is everybody else talking about football elsewhere. Um, so the press box is the least respectful place, I think, in a football stadium when a minute silence goes on. And I've, I've had that happen before when my phone has gone off. Uh, somebody has literally waited until, you know, one minute to three to, to have something, uh, a burning issue that they needed to phone me. Like the wife says, oh, can you pick up some sausages on the way home or, or whatever it might be? She thought, yeah, 2.59 is the perfect time to ring you. Um, but yes, it is very, very uh, it's very, very difficult, um, and I have, and you just have to remember, just remember to silence your phone. It's a, and you always get some guy, don't you, that uh, that's been down on the concourse, maybe uh, having a pee or, or queuing up for a pint, and then he comes up, starts singing a wondrous song, then then they realise, ah, no, it's actually the minute silence. Didn't realise. Yeah, it's like uh, you know they're coming up, going, the fans are quiet today. I need to get. <laughs> come on, the players are about to come out. This is a library. It's, oh no, 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 it's not. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, this really is a serious podcast, honest, and it's got some news, so let's have some headlines. News. Right, okay, yes, this is a news uh, podcast, promise, and uh, Henry has, has picked out some of the, the better headlines uh, in the Bolton News this week. It's been, again, a newsy week. Henry, take it away. Yeah, well, the first one, Ian Everett has confirmed that there has been conversations with other clubs from over our top stars. Can you tell us more who? I mean, we can guess who, but tell us who. And do you have any idea of any other clubs? Well, yeah, that's uh, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Uh, Santos, I think, is one of them. I think Santos also confirmed in, in his interview with us that he had options elsewhere uh, when he was offered the three-year deal for, for Wanderers. And I believe that, that Dapo is, is obviously he's had people sniffing around him. We know about Fulham. We're, we're, we're told about Rangers. That um, that's obviously not one of my stories, but it, you know we heard that Rangers were interested as well. Um, but as Ian Everett says, they've got to have deep pockets if they're going to try and sign them. And so far, uh, that has not happened. So uh, I think even with the con, I think I think with with Santos, I think the contract has probably stopped any chance of that happening. I don't think that is going to happen. I never actually honestly thought that he was going to look elsewhere I always thought he was going to um, look to get that extended and and give himself a chance to get in Bolton Dapo Dapo possibly that's going to linger around until the end I think of the transfer window we knew that was going to be the case with him obviously he's got time on his contract he's you know sought after elsewhere um, I also heard with, with Rico by the way just to ask uh, I'd heard about Sheffield United possibly looking at him and uh that may have been one of the options that he had on the table, but 
Um, never came to anything, obviously. Dapo, I think, is going to be the one we're going to have to maybe just keep an eye on. Maybe that's the one that, uh, that, that gets a bit of interest going on transfer deadline day at the end of August. A late swoop, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, well, I mean, this is the thing is that um, Dapo is possibly in a situation we're going to find with Santos next year, having Dapo you know, signed for us last year, so he's, his contract's still quite fresh. So he's not going to sign a new one after a year. No. Um, so, yeah, it's more comfortable with Santos. But the players are saying the right things. Dapo, as in the interviews he's done and the podcasts he's been on, he's, he loves playing for us. And you can, you can tell that. You know, I have no doubt that Dapo has aspirations to play further up the ladder and, and that's fine. Naturally, he would do. He's a very talented player. But I'm sure he understands at the moment that it's, it's the best place for him is Bolton because, yeah, there are rumours going on with other teams, but it's a, it is a bit of a gamble. It's like Fossey, really. Um, less of a gamble than Fossey, but whereas Fossey has only played a handful of games in uh, Football League. You could argue that Dapo has as well. You know, he's had one and a half full seasons, really, uh, at the quality he has. So, um, yeah, it's uh, Dapo's going to be interesting. I think, like you said, I think it'll be down to the wire. It'll be a team that has maybe not started the league that well and he's just desperate for a signing to, to get some energy back in. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But, no, it's good with Santos and... Uh, I mean, Santos is a he's, he's such a good player, especially for this level. And my worry for Santos is if he does leave, I don't see another defender like him knocking about. So we're gonna we could, we could struggle for a bit. Yeah, I mean, no matter who you talk to at Wanderers, they always mention Santos as being integral to the way they want to play. The fact that they can leave him one v one against pretty much anybody at this level. Uh, I would suggest that that might not be the case higher up. I think they would probably have to take a slightly more defensive approach if they went up with the current squad available because obviously you're coming up against better players at that level. But at League One level, I think they feel quite comfortable leaving him one-on-one with pretty much anybody around and knowing that he's not going to get out-fought or outpaced. Um, by the way, props to the uh, the Longridge number nine on uh, on in the first half on Tuesday night. Gave him didn't give him an easy time at all. Uh, Recoiled a couple of couple of sliding challenges, last ditch challenges at the end um, that uh, maybe had him a little bit nervous. But anyway, anyway, um, yeah, I think I think he's integral to the way that Bolton Wanderers play. I think he brings a lot of confidence out of other people in the team as well. I think he's starting to become that uh, talisman, that kind of leader that Ian Everett wanted. He's got that kind of aura about him. Um, and so I agree with you. Yeah, if he were to go, then then Bolton would have a, a, a massive, massive hole to fill. And, and there aren't too many players around that you see commanding in that sort of way. There've been a there've been a couple, but they're going to you know cost a lot of money. And and Bolton Wanderers at this moment in time don't have lots of money to spend on exorbitant transfer fees. So yeah, hopefully it won't it won't come to that. I don't think it will do. Certainly not in this transfer window. Um, but if Bolton were get were to get promoted, then maybe. We have to start all this over again, but the one the one that I'm keeping my eye on is is Dapo. He's made no no indication that he wants to uh, to move on, but that doesn't mean, and I keep on saying this to him himself as well. That doesn't mean that people aren't still watching him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and uh, it means that for those who are purchasing the brand new home shirt this week, maybe having Apple Lion on the back of the shirt, you might want to wait till September before uh, having that to it. Uh, the kit is out. We've got a new sponsor as well, Service My Car. We, we kind of spoke about it, uh, you know, last week. But the, um, I mean, you famously don't care about shirts. <laughs> You've made that clear. <laughs> you get the uh, the second most messages after the club each season asking when the new shirt is going to be released. But um, we have released it. I mean, it's it's a very. I noticed the other day. It's a very white kit, and I know that sounds a bit daft being a Bolton kit, but. There's, there's only a little bit of blue and red on it. It is very white. Um, I mean, you've seen it up close now. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a white home shirt. I, I, I'm very ambivalent. I, I think there's some nice detail in there. I quite like the stadium at the back. Uh, and they've got that kind of little uh, BWFC badge uh, emblazoned yeah. in, in the actual detail. That's quite nice. I like that. That reminds me of, of the kind of kits of old, one of the Reebok ones that used to have that. Was it kind of late 90s-ish? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, look, they, they they are better. They are improving, like like the club. Those kits are improving. There is, of course, uh, matters of the sponsor um, and how good it looks on the kit. For me, it's slightly misplaced. It seems to um, dominate a little bit too much, I think, on the chest of the kit. Uh, but what can you do? There are also obviously matters of the sponsor itself, and, and obviously we'll go into those at a later date when I'm when I'm able to do so. But um, as far as the actual kit itself goes, I quite like the the the, the pattern around the neck. You know, the the, the piping or yeah. whatever you want to call it looks okay. Um, it is what it is. I think there's only so much you can do with the Bolton Wanderers home kit. It's always going to be white, isn't it? So I, I just I just don't know really what kind of you could bring in John Paul Gautier and I'm not too sure he'd do a massive difference to a to a Bolton Wanderers home shirt yeah and I've got to say that when they have messed around with it when they've added too much blue I think the barcode kit and the the bra the sports bra kit and all, <laughs> I think it doesn't work so I I'd prefer it when it's uh white I, I love the fact that they've had a nod to the stadium as well because I was wondering um if they would do anything as a, a nod to 25 years mm. at the stadium, uh, which is absolutely mad to think that it's been 25 years. Um, and yeah, I've, I've, I've got to say as well, in credit to Macron, is that, you know, I know Macron aren't Nike or Adidas, but Nike or Adidas would give us just a template. Yeah. Macron seem to, even I saw Bradford City's kit, they've gone with Macron this year. They seem to actually give teams different kits and pay attention to it and that attention to detail which i like that i like that um yeah i like that they do that and to be fair we've been with macron a while now i don't think we've ever had a uh, a kit that's that bad off them so um so no yeah i'm happy with it never had anything of the of the sports bra barcode ilk i mean I, that, no. there was genuine you know even even me who as long as i can see the number on the back I never care, honestly. I just do not care about kits. It doesn't worry me too much. I'm not going to buy them. Um, you know, I'm 43. I definitely do not need a, uh, to be walking around in football shirts. Um, but I, I, I just need to see the shirt. And do you know what? I don't like these EFL numbers. I'm going to say it. <laughs> I don't like them. They're rubbish. They, they don't look like numbers anymore. They look like some fancy font that you'd be uh, putting on a birthday card. Um, so I think just bring back normal numbers that you can see. That that would be my that would be my wish if Macron could somehow uh, forget to put the EFL template or font of their numbers on the kit. That would be perfect for me. Just 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 put the name and the number so you can see them in the back of the shirt. That's all I care about. You could put anything else on the front, anything else you want. But uh, anyway, uh, journalist moan over. Give me another headline. Um, well, it's about the, uh, the you know the players that have been. This, but well, I've been out of the uh, picture for a while. Yeah. We're looking at Sheehan, we're looking at Isgrove. Um, a lot of people are excited to see them back this season. Uh, they add to our, I mean, our midfield looks brilliant, actually, when you think about it. So, um, where are we up to with it, Sheehan and Isgrove? Will we see them for pre-season or will it be, uh, will we have to phase them in during the season? I think Sheehan, there was some, I think some fella claimed to have spoken to Sheehan um, a few weeks ago and said he was going to be December um, which surprised me a bit but hey you never know with these recoveries but no speaking to Ian Everett on Tuesday night he said that uh, Josh Sheehan most likely going to play some part in pre-season he's going to be back he's already training he's already doing light sessions he's, he's pretty much back in the fold now so by the end of pre-season, he'll be ready to start his pre-season build-up and do the 45 minutes, etc., etc. So I think by uh, September, uh, sort of mid-September, he will he will be able to start games again, and, and that's really exciting. Um, I'll, I'll come on to the point about where he fits in in a second, but with his Grove, he's a few weeks behind. Of course, he, he elected not to have surgery on that hamstring injury. So the recovery time, I think, was a bit longer anyway, but it would also um, theoretically mean that the injury could be stronger when it gets back. So hopefully, fingers crossed and touch wood that uh, that doesn't happen again for him because, of course, it was the second time that he tore his hamstring. Um, yeah. I think he's about three weeks away from going to full training. So then, of course, he's then playing catch-up. So he's about about three or four weeks behind Sheehan. So probably October, maybe, before we see um, Izzy in, in full flight again. Um, but with, with Sheehan, you talk about midfield options. I mean, 
I think probably he's pitted against Morley as, as kind of a playmaker type. Do you? I, I see Dempsey as being a, a separate category. I see MJ as being a separate category. Mm. Morley and and Lee potentially the the kind of more uh, swaggering kind of playmakers. And and then you've got uh, Josh Sheehan as well. What, what about you? Yeah, I would. Um... I'd agree with that. I think the manager's really lucky that we get more subs this year because he's going to have to keep them all happy somehow. And, um, you know, I think, that the, again, it's, it shows a good squad that we are getting two players in each position. And, yeah, I think Sheehan started last year really well. Um, I know he scored in the opening two games and he was one of our more consistent performers, actually, at the start of last year. So for him to be injured for so long was was such a shame and it's gonna it is gonna be a new signing having him back and um yeah but this is the like you said there this is the thing he's he's now got he's up against Morley who had an excellent season last year and that's gonna be a really competitive area of the pitch now because um if you think last year Morley he wasn't being subbed was he he was no. he was playing ninety minutes so he's got used to that so uh, yeah it's now down to Sheehan to try and break in again. Yeah, I think it's exciting. I think he's, he's got lots and lots of options there. I don't see them adding to, to midfield, to be honest. There have been a couple of names knocking around, but I just don't think there's another midfielder that they particularly need this summer. I think I'd be looking at elsewhere. But uh, have we got any other headlines? Yeah, just one more. We've had a new addition to our B team. And uh, this is, uh, I'm going to have to be careful of how I pronounce his name, Gerald Citole. Um nice. So, yeah, what do we know about this guy? I think he, he played at Gillingham, didn't he? He scored a couple of goals for the first team last year. So, um, and I noticed, I've got to say, I noticed in the announcement that Bolton made, they did say initially in the B team. Mm. So, do we expect this a bit more from this guy, perhaps to uh, be, be challenging for a place on the bench in the first team? I think he'll be a bit further along. I think he'll be a bit further along. I mean, obviously, all the first team lads... Are training the same way as the B team lads, so that means theoretically, when they make that move from B team to A team, it will be that bit easier for them. Now, I think that's probably going to take a while for some of them to catch up physically. Maybe this next few weeks, you know, you'll see a few injuries and such like maybe popping up because it's not easy for them. It's the, the way that you never kind of works his players at this time of year you know about the murder ball and all that kind of stuff it's not necessarily what they'll be used to elsewhere and I think probably uh, Situle will be one of the uh, Situle you say Situle I say Situle by the way um, mm. I think um, I, th I can't remember which one the club said but I'm, I'm sticking with two as opposed okay. to toe I think as long as we don't go down the other other avenue I think we're alright <laughs> to be fair um, yeah but the, the lads down at Gillingham tell me about him he's, he's quick um, he's, he's conscientious, he, he wants to learn. Um, he came right the way through the kind of town team system in uh, Kent um, and has always been kind of top of his age group all the way through. And, and uh, Gillingham, he was very highly regarded. I think a lot of people would have liked to have seen him stay on and play in League Two this season, but he's, he's taken a leap, he's moved up north. Um, and fair play to him, I think. Um, it'd be exciting to see how he goes on. There's a few in that B team that I do like the look of. I, I'm hearing good things about um, the ex-United lad, Connor Stanley, as well. I think he was on the bench on Tuesday night just as a, an emergency. Uh, kind of a, a striker that can play across across the, the front three, but primarily is in a wide position. He's not far away, I'm told, as well. So I think there are a few that have got that little bit of first-team experience that might just be a little bit further down the line than some of the younger lads or some of the lads that have been picked up um, in non-league. So it's, it's all uh, with, I think it's Matt Craddock's job now to try and fuse that together to try and get them all in roughly the same sort of spot. And it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to that B-team experiment. Yeah, me too. And I think um, I think when you look at you look at last season, the position we were in around Christmas time where we were down to the bare bones, this now, you look at all these players in the B-team who are training the same way. If we have a similar situation this winter, then, yeah, we've got the players there who can step in. And, and maybe not the first team, but they can step in on the bench. I'm sure he'll play a few of them in the Johnston and sorry Papa John's as well. So um, yeah, it's very exciting. It all adds to it, and this is this is where we, you know, in in the years, the last few, you know, three three or four years ago, we just wanted to be, we wanted to be a proper football club again. And these are the little details mm. 
that um, that you you've got to have, and uh, it's exciting. Mm, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. But uh, by the way, as far as uh, Papa John's, I think we should start calling it the Papa Johnston Paint Trophy because uh, I or. Just call it. Let's call it a pizza trophy. This podcast, I, I notice in editing it, we have we've changed the name of that trophy more often <laughs> than anything else. We can't seem to to sort of agree on what it's called. It's called the pizza trophy. Let's let's start as we mean to go on. I'll I'll, I'll cut that out or put it in from now on. That's what we're gonna yeah. do. We'll get a sound. We'll get a a soundbite of us both saying it. And whenever we say it wrong, you just put it. So it'd be out of context, <laughs> but it would sound weird. But it'd be funny. Oh, well, the emails keep on coming and, uh, well, we do like reading them out. So let's open the post bag. Is that Philip Moresh? Emails, actually. Yes, the post bag, that time of the week where... We answer your questions, we read out your emails, your points of view, um, and uh, if you don't know our email address by now, then I will, well, I may as well play it now, here we go. So you want to bring something up on the buff? Email Mark and Henry on thebuffmail at gmail.com, that's T-H-E-B-U-F-F-M-A-I-L, all one word, at gmail.com. And... Sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. That lovely segue. Right, love the podcast, says uh, Daniel. Um, question regarding Ronan Darcy. Was he with the team in Portugal and where do you see his place for the new season? Um, he also points out that he has not received the buff mug that we promised him earlier in the year. Um, so I will have a word with my exporters, Daniel, and uh, get back to you. But um, getting back to your first point, Ronan Darcy wasn't with the team in Portugal. I'm told that he is with the B team squad at the moment, talking about B team. What, what do you think, Henry? I mean, he's, he's obviously had a lot of time out on loan, a lot of time out of the manager's thoughts and, and out of the first team picture. Do you see any way back from him at the minute? Um, well, I said last week that he's... He needs to really be with the squad because this is last year of his contract, and if he's out on loan, he's out of sight a bit. But I just, for me, I, I just struggle at the moment to see where he's going to get in, mm. you know. And you could argue we we kind of we said that years ago about Thomason, and he came in and played really well. So maybe we're doing him a disservice. But I think when you look at the midfielders that we've got, um, I, I just can't see where he's breaking in. I really don't, and I think. Unfortunately for Ronan, I think it shows where where the manager thinks of him. The fact that we have now got two players in every position in midfield, and he's not one of them. Mm. I think if if like you look at Thomason, and they clearly think, oh, Thomason could have a future with us, so he's maybe an understudy for MJ Williams. Um, you look at Darcy and think, well, yeah, is he going to get in instead of? Dempsey, no. Is he going to get in instead of uh, Sheehan and Morley? No. So, yeah, I, I personally, I don't see Darcy staying after last year. Um, but, I, you know, he's he's the one remaining junior white, isn't he? So, uh, I would love him to, but I just don't see it. Well, the fact we're still getting emails and, and I'm still getting questions on social media about him tells me that obviously the Bolton Wanderers fans would like to see him get a chance. Or there's certainly some Bolton Wanderers fans that seem to get a chance. But, I mean, you do tend to get this with, certainly with homegrown, with academy players. I think the, the, the desire to see them succeed kind of offsets the, the kind of logic behind it because Ian Everett sat there and he's obviously got a, a structure, a kind of a strata where certain players are above him. And he has to get to a certain level to be able to get into that first team. Now, obviously, he isn't hitting that. Um, so, do you think maybe Ronan's looking at that situation and thinking, "Well, actually, I, I can't be here." Then this is—he's now in his early twenties. He's—he's got—he's got to push on. He's got to find some football wherever. Yeah, you'd think so. You'd think that he'd think that way. I, I don't think if he has any inkling that he's not going to be offered a new contract, he's—you know—I know he's a young lad, but he's still will want to play um you know i would i think bolton as a as a club would probably try and do the best for him so they get him out on loan somewhere mm. um you know he could be a national league team or a league two team so yeah there's um 
I think I I think if you know I, d- I don't think he'd just want to stay in the B team unless he's unless he really wants to put all his eggs in a basket of trying to stay at Bolton. I I don't see why he would stick around. So yeah, alone alone for the season maybe that would be what's best or maybe till January and then assess things there. But yeah, it's 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 a shame. But I yeah I don't see how I just don't see how he's gonna uh, break in. Mm. It'll be interesting. We'll keep our eye on that one. I'm sure there'll be plenty more to write and discuss. Uh, thank you very much. I'll, I'll have a look at your mug, Daniel. I'll find out what's happened to that one. I've still got one left, so I can send that one out to you. Um, it might be a little used. Um, <laughs> next email from Michael. Dear Mark and Henry, uh, thanks for the podcast. Ian Ever has said he wants two more signings in the transfer window, but what positions do you think he'll target? Personally... I think we need more competition up front. As Bruce Riach used to say, you can never have too many strikers. I'd also like to hear your thoughts on whether Bolton can get promotion this year with the current options in the squad. Okay, well, as far as the positions go, uh, I would be very surprised if it's not centre-half and a, a, a striker, or sorry, an attacker, that can play across the front. Now, we know that Barkhausen has been a, a target, my personal view is that ship has sailed. I think the fact that Derby are getting their selves together and that they've obviously had contact with him as well, I think he will more than likely be going for that one anyway. And obviously we know that Jack Tucker was a target as well. I think they will keep their eyes out for another defensive signing. If I had to pick two two positions, centre-half and attacker would be the two, if you can call attacker a, a single uh, position. What about you? Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe like a, a another wing, but like right wing back, perhaps. But um, yeah, yeah, I'd. I think. I think. I think you're right in that. I think. Um, but saying that, I mean, the, all of our strikers scored on on uh, Tuesday, even you know, including Kachunga. So yeah, maybe. Uh, this is the thing when you have a good preseason, it kind of masks any anything, you know, like. I think we, we're quite lucky that we've got a month of matches before the end of uh, August where, you, you know, you could have injuries or you could have the players not performing and maybe players need to come in. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not as clear-cut, is it, as in recent years of where we need? Because I think our squad, and to answer the second question, I think, yeah, our squad is more than capable of getting promotion. I think uh, if you look at some of the signings other clubs have made, especially Sheffield Wednesday, I don't think it's going to... The HMS is not going to have as a uh, clear ride, but I mean, let's face it, it's never had a clear ride, has it, with Bolton? But um, I, I think playoffs. I think we should definitely be in the top six. Do you, would you agree, or am I looking at it with uh, uh, with rose tinted specs? I, I mean, a lot, a lot of emphasis is being placed on them being able to pick up where they left off last season and having that sort of form. I mean, has the squad been improved significantly? I'd say, you know, a, t- a touch there with, um, with with Iredale. I like the look of him. I think he'll be. I think he'll be a good signing. Uh, Bradley, I think having seen him for forty five minutes, uh, he looks like a decent player. But obviously, we'll be able to make a better judgment further down the line with him. But he's certainly got the pedigree. He looks like a good player. So. It's it's difficult to say. I mean, they were in the sort of form that would have got you promotion from January, mid-January onwards. But I think it's it's asking a lot to suggest that they're going to go and romp um, to to anything. I think it will be it'll be tough. I think you look at MK Dons; they've lost a couple of players, but they're going to have that money to reinvest. They seem to be a well-managed club. Sheffield Wednesday, as you mentioned. They seem to be adding some good quality. Ipswich seems to be adding good quality as well. I think they, they certainly will be back involved in that again. Um, and then obviously you've got the, the Barnsleys and the Peterboroughs that know exactly what they're doing at this level. They know how to build a strong squad. And they've not lost a lot either coming down from what they had last season. And then Derby is the great unknown. We don't have a clue how they're going to look. But you can guarantee that when they do get themselves, um, and fingers crossed that happens, but when they do get themselves back on the even keel, they will have a budget that will be able to do what Wigan did last season and sign good players who are going to get you out of this division if they're right, if they're managed right. So there's there's seven clubs that I expect to be up there. I do expect Bolton to be up there. I do expect them to have 
a more consistent uh, edge to them than they had last season. I think on the basis of what I've seen so far this preseason, I'd be confident to suggest that they'd hit the ground running. But, and it's a big but, do I think they've added enough quality to, to make me confident of it? No, not yet, if I'm honest. I think if they were to turn around and make a, a real statement signing between now and the end of this month, then maybe a different story. But at the moment, I think it's going to be, you know, a, a battle for the playoffs rather than it being that's the your, your minimum. That's my horribly, uh, horribly downbeat view at the minute. But you know, I, I, I would like to be surprised as well. Yeah, um, no, I get your point. I think uh, yeah, and I think so. Playoffs, I, I would. Yeah, after last season and how we ended last season and the fact that the squad hasn't changed too much, I think, uh, yeah, we should be looking at the playoffs. But you never know in this league, you know, it's as we've seen with League One, the, the, the size of the clubs and clubs that you think maybe have made good signings. Looking at Ipswich last year, for example, yeah, yeah, you thought they made yeah. good signings and they finished below us. So it's going to be very interesting. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just can't wait because I do, I would be... I would be very disappointed if Bolton aren't challenging for you know at least playoffs all year, mm. um, because I think with with everything that's going on with the, the 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 support from the fans, which is probably at its highest level for a number of years, the fact that season tickets we we as Neil Hart said we're looking to average about seventeen thousand fans a game next season. All of this would be just magical if we could get promoted at the end and then you you we could have we could have another period like we did in the mid 90s with Bruce Rioch but if it goes pear shaped and we finish mid table again you're probably not going to get that that goodwill going into next season mm, I'd love to know actually where Bolton's spending was in that season in 92 93 whether Bolton were regarded as one of the big spenders or whether or not they uh, you know what? Uh, if anybody does know, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely interested because it's not something I do know. Um, whether they were regarded as one of the bigger fish, whether obviously the, the history of the club obviously weighed there. But uh, I, I think if they were to get promoted this season, it would be a victory for the coaching of that team because yeah. they've they've not changed a great deal. I don't expect them to change a great deal in this window. If they do get a couple more signings in, then I don't. At the minute, I don't think there'll be players that you'd, you'd insert straight into the first team. But if they do manage to get and, and elevate themselves that extra few places they need to be able to get into the playoffs, then I think Ian Everett deserves a king-size pat on the back and his backroom staff because that has been done on the training ground and it's been that kind of Everett ball or whatever you want to do, brand Everett, has finally been honed to the point where it is a successful brand and he deserves every bit of credit for that if that is the case. So we shall see. We shall see. Yeah. I've got to say as well that if, we, we thought they were fit last year, having scored, whatever, 18, 19, 20, a million goals in the last 10 minutes. If they're even fitter this year, then I'm sorry, Mark, you're going to be stuck behind <laughs> stuck behind after class doing the uh, doing the reports again. Oh, God, don't get me... Between that and five substitutes, honestly, they're making my <laughs> life... And the numbers, it's, uh, it's all about me, I tell you, it's all about me. <laughs> Right, something slightly more light-hearted to finish off the emails. This one is from Chris. Hi, Mark and Henry. Love the pod and glad it's still going during the off-season. Uh, following the episode with Chris from Burnden Aces. Uh, what a great co-host he was, by the way. Um, it got me thinking about the birthday posts they do on Twitter and how every so often I see a player crop up who I have little to no recollection of actually playing for us. Um, with that in mind, and a quick troll through the Wikipedias, I compiled an X1 of such players. Uh, he only went back as far as our relegation to the championship, but dare say you could find a whole lot more through the ages. Are there any you can think of? So I'll read out Chris's uh, 11, and there's some great names in here, I must say. So and then we'll see whether or not you can add any to them. Um, so in goal, we've got Aaron Lee Barrett. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember him. Back four, we have uh, Lewis Buxton, who I'd completely forgotten about. Oh yeah, that was from the. Was it from the League One promotion season? It was. Yeah. I, I, he did yeah. play a few times, but I think he got. He had a. I think it was a back injury, and I'm not sure he's played again afterwards. Um, Paddy McCarthy, <laughs> I remember him. Yeah. <laughs> um, Toto Unciala, who uh, 
uh, was one of Keith Hill's lot and famously would not do interviews. Uh, Jose Casado, the left back, the Spanish left back. That was Neil Lennon's lad. Yeah. Um, Chris Hurd, crikey. Yeah. Uh, Roshinia. Uh, Giles Coke. Oh, yeah. Um, then a front three, and this is a classy front three. Uh, we've got Chris Long, who had a very hard shot. That's all I can remember about Chris Long. Yeah, was it Walsall at home? That's he, right, yeah. He broke the net, nearly broke the net, yeah. Uh, Viv Solomon Otterbore. Yeah. And Stephen Dobby. Ah, Stephen, Stephen Dobby scored against, was it Hull at the end of it? We got relegated and lost, I think we lost the last 10 games, but randomly beat Hull who got promoted. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah Dobby scored that. Scored, he was good at scoring late goals, wasn't he? I think he's, he's scored, yeah. he scored a few actually for Bolton and fans. And also he went on and played in like towards his 40s, if, if not into his 40s, and scored a, an absolute shed load up at, uh, was it, it might be Queen of the South, something like that. Yeah, yeah, he scored. I'm sure he scored like 40 for them. Like, I mean, that probably says more about the state of the lower leagues in Scotland than anything. <laughs> well, it's madness. It's a bit like Owen Coyle because Owen Coyle did that. He played into his late 30s and kept on scoring a lot of goals. Maybe one day we're going to end up welcoming Stephen Dobby back uh, as a as a Bolton Wanderers legend. <laughs> <laughs> Football moves in circles. I'm telling you, it does. Um, Chris also says some notable mentions from further back: Cesar Martin, uh, Steve mm. Howie, who played for England, by the way. Yeah, um, he was in the Euro '96 squad, I think. And uh, Martin Jetu as well is another one. Ah, yeah, yeah, he was a centre half, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I just think. It quite, Cost, uh, what's he called? Costas Constantinidis. That was from the big song. Don't miss days. him. Don't miss him. No, not even a bit. Bet you don't. Uh, Michael Capellian is another one. Yeah, you could argue as well. Liam Richardson was another one of them. The now Wigan manager. Yeah. Paul Wheatcroft. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Francesco Pisano. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. He was the guy who he was Bolton's last signing made for money for a while. Oh, Phil Twardzik. Yeah, yeah. He's scored, a, scored against Derby, didn't he? On his on his debut, I think. Um, Sammy Odalusi. There's another one. He scored. Yeah. He scored a couple at Shrewsbury in the uh, League Cup. Mm. Um, Jan Gregus. <laughs> yeah, he went on to uh, MLS, actually. I did. He played did he? for Minnesota. Yeah, he did quite well for him. You always find more. a way to get MLS into this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I just don't understand why. Um, right, okay. Well, if you've got any more, or you can you can predate what Chris has done there and maybe look back to the start of the millennium or the 90s and, and bring us a... Uh, uh, who, did they really play for Bolton X One? Then uh, that could be something. Uh, could be something fun. Um, we've given out the email address, haven't we? So I don't have to do that again. Um, right. Okay. Well, I think Henry came up with a spin last week on the A to Z game that we've been trying out for the last couple of weeks. So let's give it a whirl. <laughs> This week, starting with A and continuing through the alphabet for as long as we can go, um, we have two minutes to name as many players who have scored against Wanderers in our lifetime, which obviously is slightly longer for me than it is for Henry. Um, and see if, see if we can manage this. Cause I, I've got to be honest, my, my head is not in this game this morning, so you're going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting here with Henry, I think. Okay. Right, I'll get the clock of doom. And we go. You can start with A, Henry. Right, A. Uh, go Arsenal, um, Sylvan Wiltard. Okay. B. Um, I've drawn a blank. Um, I'm trying to think like the B's. We've got Bradford. Is... What, what, did, is what, are we actually doing just teams? Oh, no. I mean, like, kind of think of a player for Bradford who's scored. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't at the moment. Um, this, is, this has gone really pear-shaped really quickly, hasn't it? <laughs> uh, Bristol City, Wilbram. Wilbram right. Against. All right. Well, okay, let's do this. C, Charlton. Uh, who scored for Charlton? <laughs> oh, Chelsea. Uh, uh, Chelsea. Elton oh, Elka uh, scored for Chelsea against us. Right, okay. Yeah. He did, right. Yeah. D. Uh, oh, D. Who um, scored... Get your match report from this teaser. New score. That's a cheat. That's not. That's not. The, that's not in the ethos of the game. 
Um, uh, Derby, Doncaster. David, they must. Have, they used to score a hat full against us every time. I tell you, who you score for against us, uh, Tom Lawrence or Paul uh, Paul Ince's son, Tom Ince. He used right, to score well, a lot. We'll have that. Yeah, e, e for Everton. Um, who scored? For Duncan Everton, Ferguson yeah. scored for Everton. Yeah, there we go. F Fulham. Um, oh, Fulham played. Loads scored against us. Um, Who's that? Steve Marley didn't he score against? Uh, let's say he did. All right. Um, <laughs> Emails to Henry Hewitt. <laughs> Gee, can we remember a Grimsby player who scored against I us? cannot. I cannot remember. Uh, Kyle Dempsey G- scored for Gillingham, though. There we go. Right. H. H. Hull. Hull, they scored six against us. Who scored one of them? Did, oh, I don't know. Did Tom Eve score? Uh, let's just say he did. All right. Aye. Aye. Oh, God. Oh, I, uh, um, Magilton. Magilton. Right, we got oh, to high. That was harrowing, <laughs> partly because we changed the rules halfway through. <laughs> we did, and let's face it, J and K, there's no, there's no players, so uh, we technically got to L there, I reckon. Well, yeah, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. Um, I think we might try that again next week when my head's in the game, because mm-hmm. I, 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 was, I was thinking at the very, uh, from A that we had to come up with a player whose name started with A. Oh right, and that oh, would have been no. very tough. <laughs> yeah, that would have been. Come on, Mark. We, we, our name, our, our game, our head's not even in this game. We can't make it more difficult for ourselves. <laughs> right. So we will, um, we will do that one again uh, when the the rules have. I'm sure the people people listening to it were playing along and they were they were managing perfectly all right and wondering what our problem was. But hey, um, as I say, if. Uh, if, if any of the players there did not score against Bolton, then please let Henry know on Twitter. <laughs> um, right, so finally, what have we got coming up? We've got Chorley on Saturday and then Stockport behind closed doors at Carrington. That's going to be fun. Um, so what are you looking for out of that, really? Um, I don't think we're going to score nine against either of them, put it that way. But, um, yeah, you just want... Uh, I mean, friendlies are—you want to win them, but at the end of the day, they just—they're exercises to to a get fit and b sort of um, you know get the patterns of play right and stuff like that. So you do want to win, uh, you know. If Stockport beaters and Sarsvik scores, let's not have a meltdown. Let's just understand that it is just a friendly. Um, but uh, yeah, I think yeah, you you want to win both games, but hey, it's. Yeah, they're just friendlies, aren't they? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose I'll uh, look forward to the inevitable meltdown. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest, whether or not I'm going to be there or whether I'm not going to be there. I should imagine I will be able to get in to watch the game. Same goes for the Watford one, which is on their Colney training ground. I'm not. I'm really not sure what the reporting spec is going to be for that. So, um, kind of keep your eyes. I'm sure we'll manage some sort of match report or updates from. Uh, uh, from both games, um, but I don't like I don't like this idea, and this it seems to be happening quite a bit about games behind closed doors. I would much rather them not be announced, if you know what I mean. It yeah, kind of, kind of like, it's like dangling a carrot in front of you, and like oh, I, only the only the club's web website are going to be able to get in there and get. And get it's, it's a bit rubbish that. Send Dan down with some binoculars; he can go in the bushes and. <laughs> do yeah. a, a match day live. I think Dan owns binoculars and has been in plenty of bushes in that. So I think he definitely <laughs> would do. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much for tuning in once again. Um, and we'll be back next Friday with more fun games, hilarity, and woefully uneducated views on Bolton Wanderers. Um, until that point, I have been Mark uh, Aaron Morley's Miles Better Isles. And I have been Henry. Can't wait to see Sheehan back. Hewitt. And this has been the buff. Number nine. 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 Number nine.